Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 26, March 4th, Thursday morning here at AEA Studios. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. And we are really going to be unregulated. We're just going to improvise this whole blessed thing. We are darn glad to be here and darn glad that you joined us. So um, let's start with this. I want to play a montage. Montage. A brief montage. Um, showering praises over a certain individual for his COVID, for his courage during COVID. Hold on. Remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. Real leadership of the kind the President of the United States should have provided. Garnering the nickname America's Governor. I think you saw it right there. He is conveying incredible strength in the face of this pandemic. Few people uh, have a, a better understanding of how to manage the pandemic uh, than you do. He's providing hope, but not false hope. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. Governor Cuomo, I think, is is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you were sending soldiers off to war. <laughs> Governor, there's so much in this book that I'd love to talk to you about, including the personal side of it. This book is uh, absolutely fantastic. I think it's uh, just a, a guide to how to deal with, with, with this pandemic. Governor Cuomo, the book has done just what you suggested. It starts a really important conversation at a very scary time. It is a book unlike anything ever written by a governor before because no one has lived through and managed the crisis that he has. Cuomo is set to receive an International Emmy Award. He's being honored with the Founders Award for using his briefings to inform and calm the public. His PowerPoints were epic. Yes. In the movie of this, when it's finally made, who do you want to have play you? I think everyone is a big fan of yours right now. I am a fan of Andrew Cuomo and wish very much that he were president of the United States now. I mean, isn't he actually? <laughs> I mean, in a way, he is. He is president. <laughs> Are you thinking about running for president? Tell the audience. Andrew Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become in some ways the shadow uh, president. Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president. I think back to... You know, the daily news conferences you would hold. Many people felt you were the only one who was telling us anything. You know, you gave us hard truths. You didn't try to sugarcoat. Honest, direct, brave. You felt like, oh, we are all part of this. We are all in this together. You really did well. pull us up and out of the deep muck. And I, <laughs> I thank you for that. <laughs> Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. Trying to pick so up a girl. My kids right now at home. Oh, 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 goodness. <laughs> okay. That last one I didn't see at all. No, no you <laughs> stepped all over it. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay. So um, he had some more PowerPoint uh, press conferences uh, more recently. <laughs> a couple of them, anyway. One um, defiant, uh, defiant uh, in, in terms of his defense of uh, his decision to omit pretty significant information about nursing home deaths, but more recently his apology slash candor to the people of New York, um, followed by a decision not to resign. There were calls by Democrat yeah. representatives in the state. There was blood in the water, but you know, so one of my friends, colleagues, David Kreutzer tweeted how, what's the over under on his resignation? I said, ask Ralph, Ralph Northam. 
Well, did, did two two things, right? First off, um, let's take a victory lap or a partial victory lap, right? Two weeks ago on this very program, we predicted that he this thing was going to lead to his resignation. Um, and the difference between him and Northam is two two really important differences. First off, um, he, he's tangled up um, in a federal crime, right? He, he's tangled up with with no no better than. Um, no better than lying to federal investigators, right? Um, and probably obstruction and a couple other things, right? The, the investigation is going to go on. Um, and then the second thing is he picked the wrong victim group, right? Um, the, um, you know, what he did was just incredibly creepy and it is not, is not susceptible to explanation, right? Ralph Northam, hey, sure, I was the guy under the hood. I no, should... we weren't. We're, <laughs> we're not sure which – he never did disclose which one he oh, was. Oh, he's the guy under the hood. Uh, we, we don't know that I'll, for sure. I'll, well, let me, just, let me just walk through. Okay, it's fine that if that's oh, what, no, what let me walk through Oh, no, let me walk through the logic chain here, right? He said, he said, yeah, I was in the picture and I'm sorry. And then somebody came back to him the next day and said, hey, they can't tell you in the picture because you're <laughs> under the hood, dummy. And he said, well, I wasn't in the picture. Yeah, on his yearbook page. Anyway, uh, well, he ended up not he, resigning. He 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 managed to get through it, and um, that's because that's because for one reason and one reason only that the um, African Americans in in Virginia um, realized that that he would be much better as a um, asset than as somebody they well, were now, and I, he I has would... been an asset for them. Right? He's he's gone along with everything on their agenda. Right. Um, so he's been a terrible governor. He has been. He has really, really taken Virginia down f hard and it, fast. It's been, in their first legislative, you know, yeah. in the first time since when uh, that the Democrats have had the legislature in Virginia, oh, they are making the, first time 30, the 30. most of it, man. They have, and it's a very narrow, right? Everyone thinks, oh, it's this great big giant majority. Twenty one nineteen in the Senate. And I think they, it's uh, fifty three forty seven in the House, but. And and he's going to lose the house right here in this election cycle for sure. So they really pressed it right, a lot like Hopefully. Joe Biden. But but back to back to Cuomo for a second, right? The 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 victim group he introduced. Let me amend that. It's not a victim group. The people that he introduced um, uh, were women and young women. He's a sixty three year old man, and he was creeping on a twenty five year old woman. Did you happen to see and, and Geraldo they, the episode with Geraldo and Bongino? No. Jerry, I'll put it in the show notes. I mean you know Jerry Geraldo Rivers, defended Cuomo. Well you know Jerry Jerry, Jerry Rivers. Jerry Rivers, Jerry Rivers, right? Jerry Rivers goes a long way back with the Cuomo of family. Yeah, he's been an apologist. He was an apologist for Mario and now the brothers. So the band Bongino was classic Bongino. I assume he, he just he lit him up like sure. He lit him up. I, I, it, the creepy, we have time during this. I'll pull the clip. So anyway, so long story short is um, it, totally, totally different. This guy's done. Well, uh, okay, it, this is his third term. He is up in 2022. If that if that's correct, no, uh, no, I think he's up in four or three. Is it three two or four? or four? I don't think he's up. I don't know. I don't. You know what? I don't know. I think it's. I think and, it's and coming I, up here, isn't I, it? And I don't think it matters. Well, okay. So he's not resigning. He's waiting for the results of the investigation. <laughs> he said, by the way, an investigation which his aide is already essentially cop to in public for yes, goodness' sake. He's his aides have been. Really, just not very loyal these days, have they? I wonder why that is. Like, wh what happened? It's you know, it it 
couldn't happen to when a you have guy. an iron like when you have a mafioso style grip on 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 the state yeah uh, i didn't want to the, the dam starts to break a little bit so i don't want to get into a, a, internal italian um ethnic politics but i'm pretty confident that, that he is up in 22, 22 by the way our producer just flagged that i'm pretty confident that um that the cuomo family is from Robert says, um, I'm not sure of that. And Michelle DeRosa, right? Just the name tells you DeRosa. Sicilian, right? Um, My people. Well, the fact that you got a Sicilian, this is how this is how mainstream Sicilians have become. <laughs> um, she copped to a, a federal crime right there in front of God right. and everybody. <laughs> right. I mean, for the last 150 years, there hasn't been a Sicilian in this country who's done that. You know, they've all been like, I'm not saying word one. I have public. no recollection. <laughs> it... it <laughs> I was stunned by. It. I still two weeks on. I'm still amazed by that, and I still think what I think. Right, that's out there. No way that goes away. He's not going to okay, finish so the term. And by he, the way, let me pimp real quick. Lee Zeldin's going to run for governor's Republican, and I we also predicted that two weeks ago. Um, that's a good answer. Lee's going to be. A oh tough man, guy. it'd be great if New York could get you know some semblance of 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 a normal person uh, in in some official position there. It's. Yeah, man. So I, I, I am okay with this. I don't, I've never made, I've made no bones about how as a, as someone who was born in Western New York, still have some ties there. Um, this guy's been terrible for pretty much everyone, but his, his hard base, um, you know, this, this notion that he was going to run for president, uh, I think is done. But I will say that um, the part that bothers me the most is is the outrage deserved, because when somebody sets themselves up on a pedestal to say, "Oh, Kavanaugh should submit to a lie detector test," and I believe, and I believe, and I believe, and oh, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I thought it was all playful. Set that aside. What bothers me is is that the Dems were upset about the nursing home thing. But this is what's what they're use, they're yeah. saying should be what why he should resign. I, I'm, and it wasn't a pot, it wasn't a this and that. It was a well we're going to strip his executive authority to be a tyrant over our state because of the nursing home situation. That to me is a is a set aside the personal yeah the personal problems. That is a governance problem. Yeah, and that is what you should that is the standard by which you should be measured. Well, policy stuff. And it's legitimately, well, okay, two things. First off, it, you know, it, it, that as a magnitude, uh, that's a degree of difference, right? That's a geometric difference, right? There are people who are dead who may not have been dead otherwise, right? Because um, of his decision. Yes. Right? Um, I, I, and by the way, we haven't given a shout out to Janice Dean, who's been all yes. over this. Who's there first? Who's there first? And you know, and Phil Kirpin too, right? He's brilliant. Right, absolutely. You know, it, we had Kirpin on last you know, week, if you recall. The, the, our listeners, I, I'm intensely sensitive to the um, situation of of women in in the workforce, right? Especially younger women um, who have older males as bosses, right? Um, and I think what happened was. You know, it gives you it gives you a little peek into what kind of person you're dealing with, um, and I'll give you two specific examples, neither one of which I particularly like. You know what? I'm just going to give you one because I really don't like one. Uh, the other one, um, you know, Larry Craig, right? 
you know, whether you like to whether you like to admit it or not, you can't possibly nobody after after it became clear what happened to Larry Craig, you could not possibly look at him the same way. Right. Even though he agreed with you on all the policy issues, you couldn't possibly agree with him the same. You look at him the same way. It's that kind of thing with the governor now. You know, you're looking at a grandfather or somebody who should be a grandfather age, right? Creeping on a a woman, women, women, but one particular woman, almost young enough to be his, you know, one of his granddaughters, and or his daughter. That, oh, definitely young enough to be his daughter. Yeah. And that just changes the way you look at somebody, right? It just does. Yeah. Well, um, good luck. Good luck, Governor. We wish you the best. <laughs> um, we're going to re-up our prediction. Resignation's inevitable. Only question is when. He's not going to make the term. All right. So in their wisdom, the United States Senate confirmed a new energy secretary, um, yeah. <laughs> former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm. And uh, she, a couple things she's done. Uh, one was she had her debut at Sierra Week where she told uh, the oil and gas industry that they better get on board or risk having uh, their assets stranded, et cetera. Uh, a nice little... <laughs> it's good to meet. Good to know you guys. A nice little... Thanks uh, for should, coming. <laughs> should, you know, maybe I'll... Should your windows and your and your facility have some problems? So, you know, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice business you have there. Might need to help you out a little bit. It's a, ni- it's a nice business keep an you eye have on there. Things for you. It's a nice business you have there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Reflecting, the... she she's Canadian for goodness' sake. <laughs> I know, but she's not reflecting reality, of course, because you know uh, what's lost on the quote energy inevitable. We're in the energy transmission is that the same amount of uh, energy they were using from hydrocarbon-based fuels energy sources is roughly equivalent to what it was 30 years ago. Yeah, man, 1994, about 80% primary energy. Um, 2019, about 80% primary energy, right? Just the way the world is. Um, but 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 you have you, well. You, you, she also uh, was. She enlightened what? our uh, the NPR audience recently, and I'll just play. I'm just going to stop you right here and warn everybody who's drinking something: put your drink down because you're going to spit it out. Right. Here's the first clip. We I'm going to rifle through them both, and then we can talk about them both, and we can segue to Texas. If you can imagine, there's there's a process, for example, called carbon capture use and sequestration. It's a the mouthful, but this is the kind of technology that people in who are working right now in the fossil community could absolutely get jobs in. The technology is ready. It's right away. All we need is the investment and the commitment to attach this technology to to natural gas, to the refineries, to coal refineries. We can do this right now. <laughs> that's the first clip. It, it, we need to we need to clear the abandoned mines first. Uh, let me just get to the second one. And I think the country would welcome Texas being at least connected to the national grid in some way, shape, or form that allows for its neighbors to help. <laughs> you know, mm. we could send ions across the electric grid to be able to help in cases in situations like this. Ladies and gentlemen, the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, who has been auditioning for this role for the past decade. What ions could we send? <laughs> uh, for for those of you who are not energy geeks. Which, what are we going to talk for about? For those of you first? who are not energy geeks, um, it, it, there's a very limited amount of coal refineries in this country. <laughs> 
the number is um, it, <laughs> it's an Arabic concept. There, it, there's no such thing as a call refinery. There's a call processing facility, but it, she just hopeless. And then um, you actually send electrons, not ions. Yeah. I, it, but you know, it, if it, only it, Texas, if only Texas. <sighs> wasn't in any way, shape, or form connected to anybody else's electricity ions, they would have avoided this whole problem. Oh, you know. This is our energy secretary. I wasn't going to say this. Go ahead. But I didn't think it was possible to have somebody who knew less about energy. Then the secretary, two secretaries <laughs> go, you want me to finish and say Rick Perry? I'm going to say Rick Perry. I'm not going to slow down. Um, look, um, Jeep, you know, that – look, between the abandoned mines and, and this stuff, it, there is literally – a friend of mine – Okay, a, for refresher, the abandoned mines, mines <laughs> was from our vice president. And this is, this is the administration who's, you know, built a, a, a significant chunk of their um, uh, agenda on, on quote-unquote, energy transition. So yeah, they know, don't know much about energy. Yeah, you know the terrifying thing about that? Probably the two people who know the most about energy in this administration, Gina McCarthy and David Hayes. Oh, yeah. And, and, it, and they mean nobody in the energy world well. They mean nobody oh, no. in the energy and world well. And they are also shielded from almost all yeah. transparency yeah, it, it, in their comfortable little czar positions it, in the it, White House. The whole thing the whole thing cracks me up. One, one quick point on Texas and the ions that Texas isn't sharing or whatever. Um, in the blackout, if Texas had been interconnected, it wouldn't have made any difference. There were six, you know, for contextual purposes, there were six and a half million people blacked out in northern Mexico at the same time. And MISO and the Southwest Power Pool, right, the two places with whom Texas would be interconnected, um, also had uh, rolling blackouts, but were much shorter duration, right? In other words, MISO and, and SPP were up against it as far as generation capacity, too, which, again, were I the energy secretary, had there been a major blackout in our second largest state, I might have actually like gotten a briefing on it before I yapped to NPR. Well, you know, but she already knows all this stuff too, so it's really not that it's not that critical for her to have a briefing on it. Um, she also bragged about the forty billion dollars in loans, forty-three uh, billion dollars that the, the department has. Yeah, um, I don't think she realizes that it wasn't that the previous administration was withholding those loans or, or holding back on those loans per se, because. We kind of know a couple of people who used to work in the previous administration. And the reason that they weren't issuing those loans for the most part is because it's a the the money uh, it's a lot cheaper to get money in the in the private market sure, right man. now. Sure. It comes with significantly fewer strings. Sure, man. Everybody everybody who's refinanced a mortgage in the last six or financed a mortgage in the last six months knows you're paying your money's free. Yeah. Money's free and and Forget the mortgage thing. Think about the way the administration is treating money in general, right? And the way the previous administration treated money. Yeah, it's a trillion dollars here and there. Right. We don't care because we're putting it on a balance sheet at, at low interest or no interest. Um, it, it. I'm go well. If I thought, if I, I wish everybody the best yes. of luck. Um, I just don't want everybody to rule me. Um, it, it. 
I, I'd like to be concerned. The good news is, is that the Department of Energy doesn't do much, so we're probably safe. <laughs> uh, but I worry about again the again for the four hundredth time the principal uh, the principal purpose and objective and work of the Department of Energy, the United States Department of Energy, is making nuclear weapons and cleaning up after the making of nuclear weapons and trying to throw saddles on the crazy national labs and doing whatever they do. Um, I'm a little concerned that we have... Um, if she, if the secretary has trouble grasping the basics of energy, I'm not exactly sure how she's going to grasp the basics of nuclear weapons. How about if I say it that way? That's a fair way to say it. Although one of her predecessors had the pretty close to the same deficiency. Today, um, yesterday, today, yesterday, today, yesterday, um, the Senate Energy Committee uh, approved Deb Holland's uh, nomination <laughs> to uh, serve as our next de Department of Interior Secretary uh, by 11 to 9 vote. Uh, the Republican voter in favor was... Senator Lisa Murkowski from the state of Alaska, who yeah, has expressed concerns about the what seems to her to be a concentrated focus or target on the state of Alaska, but she's confident that Representative Holland will will Secretary designee sec, Secretary designee Holland will stay in touch with her and make sure that she is. Um, Keeping in mind the concerns of, of everyday Alaskans when she makes her decisions over at the Department of Interior, David Hayes. Yeah, David Hayes. yeah. So, so um, I never pass up an opportunity to piss off the Murkowski household, and I'm probably not going to now. Um, two things, right? First off, she's got a large Native American contingent in Alaska, yeah. right? So she needs to be super careful on this. I understand. Um, I get it too. And then second, and this is the part that I, I get a little balky about, right? Um, the secretary and her team imagine that there's some deal to uh, – secretary, senator and her team imagine that there is some deal to be worked out with this administration on the leasing of federal land, um, the, um, the pause in the permitting of oil and gas development on federal lands, right? They, they think that there's some deal that can be worked out separate for Alaska. They are delusional, right? Um, but um, until until they until they realize that they're that that's not going to happen, they're going to keep playing um, playing along with the administration on stuff like this. Well, it's, I mean, the, there is no change here in the pattern. I mean, I don't know any. I've been in this town for probably way longer than I should have. <laughs> Going on thirty years, it's a hell of an admission. And so. I have never. In my, I don't understand. Like, I am completely stunned at how ill-served the citizens, the 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 residents of the state of Alaska are with this senator. I mean, it is uh, it is astonishing to me. It's astonishing to me. I mean, the state she acts like she's representing a very different state in this union. And yeah. it's it's unfortunate for Alaska because I have a special place in my heart for Alaska. I've been visited there many times. Worked closely with Don Young and his team. It's just a special and magic place. And golly, she's just well. Let's. It's it, just unfortunate. I, I, I let me let me agree with most of that. Um, I, I've never been to Alaska. Want to go? Um, 
The other thing that I think um, put Murkowski, Senator Murkowski, in a spot is that Don Young endorsed Holland, right? Yeah, and I know. I talked to Dan, a friend Dan about that. He shouldn't have done that, but he did. And that, you know. He's got a soft spot. He's got a soft spot. Uh, and they they use they utilize it uh, on occasion in this I'm case. I'm gonna say this real carefully because I don't want to get in too much trouble. Um, but when I was younger, we used to focus a lot on term limits. I'm starting to think we should focus on age limits. Apropos of no one we're talking about, but nah, I don't know. It's hard to. It's uh, hard of course, to, you're, it's hard you're to do a, that. I you're mean, a hill guy. You think everybody should it, stay no, there forever? I just, it's hard to do that. I mean, you want age limits for drugs. I mean, it's so arbitrary, right? Like, I mean, I get the front end. You got to kind of pick, pick, pick a date where you can drink and smoke and drive and whatnot. Uh, and and maybe on the back end, I just don't know how you do that. Like, what's the age limit? Um, what is it? I mean, pick it. What's what's? I think what's I think I think seventy five. You probably capture everybody who needs to be captured. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, let's put it this way: there are people sitting in Congress who you would not trust to operate a motor vehicle. Yeah, and they're also being shielded by the media. Some of them, including our our beloved uh, new president. Right. I so. mean, you know, it, 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 it's a conversation worth having. We're going to have a country that ages, right? The, the, the median age is going to keep creeping northward. We should probably have a conversation about this. Um, you know, if we term limit presidents, why shouldn't we term limit members? Why shouldn't we age limit everybody? It's just a thought. Yeah. You know, I, I have always felt like term limits, um, were not necessary. Um, and I, I do worry about the Negative side of that, right? So if you have term limits, these members, a lot of places where they have them, you end up empowering these unelected staffers and bureaucrats who've been around uh, forever. I, but yeah. I'm starting to sour on that argument because oh, you know they're yeah. still around anyway. I was like, going to say I don't, like, I don't buy any of that stuff. So, you know, so I, I, I guess my point is I'm willing to. I'm I'm so disappointed with all of them that I'm now willing to entertain uh, the notion. Know, I mean, that, uh, let me ask you a question. Term limit Whoever leaves this town, nobody ever leaves this town, and you know half of it's because I'm trying. I really, honestly, am trying. In fact, I make a prediction here. Yes. 18 months from now, I will be recording from a different resident. I will be a resident of a state other than the DMV area. We are. We thank you for that tease and look forward to the official <laughs> notification. <laughs> I am working my way out. I'll still be involved because, you know, you can get on an airplane and offset your carbon footprint. By paying indulgences to some John unregulated Kerry. organization. You're going to hitch a ride but, on John Kerry's yacht. Um, it's going to be tough from Colorado, but okay. Okay, what's up next? What's up next? <laughs> well, so near uh, and yet so far. Yeah, man. Near it. So it turns out apparently that the Chamber of Commerce's endorsement is not worth any Republican votes at all. Wait, what are you talking about? I, they made a big deal of endorsing her. How well, you know, we look forward to working with her, yada, yada, yada. But when she actually needed a Republican vote or two to save her, the Chamber couldn't cough it up. Um, and I, you know, I'm very excited. To point that out, because Chamber's going to come out in favor of carbon tax. They're already in favor of carbon tax. They're going to come out in favor of a bunch of bad ideas. And I think we all need to understand that that operation, at least in the District of Columbia, um, is not any more um, relevant to how people on the right should be thinking about 
about this stuff. Ms. Tandon has is a well is well qualified to lead the OMB and brings an established track record of engagement with the business community. Yep. Ms. Tandon has had a distinguished career. She has served as president and CEO of the Center for American Progress Think Tank for the past 10 years. Think Tank. Put that in quotes, Ms. please. Ms. Tandon has, a pro- proven f- has proven a frequent partner and collaborator, particularly on international trade issues. Her willingness to consider different <laughs> perspectives will be important as she shapes the budget and policy proposals for the Biden administration. That's a chamber statement, right? Yep. You know, that's ridiculous. It's not even just a one-off, like, yeah, she's okay. And we're, you know, this is the best we're going to get. None of that stuff. I mean, that is like the kind of thing you send out when you're trying to convince, you know, people to agree to, you know, have a friend of yours in the job. Uh, I'm, I never thought I would say this, but I respect Scott Reed for leaving when he did. Just like, hey, I'm done. You know, this, these 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 guys have gotten way outside of the of the bounds of acceptable discourse. Here, I'm gone. Oh, and the and the um, what's going on with the big trade associations in Washington uh, segment of our show? <laughs> the API American Petroleum Institute has announced uh, their um, endorsement of uh, well, they well, let me read it. Carbon pricing as the primary government policy instrument to reduce CO2 emissions while keeping energy affordable instead of mandates or prescriptive regulatory action. Yeah. So, um, okay, first off, they haven't actually done this yet. That was just a report by our very good friend, Tim Puko. They haven't done this, but it was leaked in order for it to be very difficult for them to undo it because I happen to know that there's an internal – there's a very heated internal uh, conversation sure. about it. And here's my other question. Why would anyone, anybody who is primarily, if not exclusively, a domestic producer yeah, why or refiner yeah, why pay dues it's crazy. to this organization? It, it's crazy. It, it, when all they do is spend their whole day trying to undo that which their brethren from who lead – Companies yeah. in other places around the world yeah. are are seeking to achieve to harmonize the pain that yeah. they have to deal with with other countries yeah. and 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 namely Europe. It, it's just a it it is seriously okay for okay since you went there let's go to systemic right. It is just a matter of time until the refiners and the EMP guys, um, right, the Americans in this conversation. Um, form themselves a new coalition or a new trade association or find themselves just take over one of the trade associations. But this idea that you can mix the majors now with those guys is probably yeah. is probably um, not going to be that sustainable. That ship has right? sailed. And if there are any if, – if anyone's interested in any candidates for said – said trade association i know a couple of guys yeah. who might be willing to let well, i mean you know was, i mean you look at you look at the american the the production um the production exploration guys apex they should be better too they should be better on this right and they're terrible at it they're just as terrible as at api as api the other thing that strikes me and this so bloomberg wrote a story about this and joe aldi from harvard got on and he's not a friend of any of ours right but joe aldi got on there and he said the truth he's like well you know they prefer a carbon price to regulations i mean he said it a lot better than me cuz he's a super smart guy but um and that's true but the thing is is that and, and I do not understand how people with years of with years of experience in this town, right? Mike Summers is a staffer for a Speaker of the House representative. 
not a great speaker, but a speaker. Um, you know, Bill Coetzel was an energy guy for a Speaker of the House of Representatives. These guys should know what they're doing. What they don't understand is they're going to get both. You can't be me, in favor no, no, no. of one. You're going to get both if the, you're in favor of one of them. On, the left's figured. The left's onto this. They already have made it absolutely so. clear. There's no trade here. And so I think, you know, for too long, I've said this, all these businesses and all these, you know, they're viewing this as a way to sort of be for something um, and then be able to say, well, they, they included the regulations, so we can't be for that particular proposal or whatever. But I've already seen the chatter. It's like, I, I'll believe it when I see their lobbying disclosure sure. reports, when I see sure. how much money they're spending on lobbying the Congress to pass a carbon tax. And oh, by the way, how many different ways can you call a carbon tax yeah. something other than well, a carbon you know, tax, that, that, which is, you know, they're not going to escape that either. I feel um, carbon so. price. It's carbon pricing, Tom. One, one last thought on it that's material to the conversation and important to the conversation. And I just want to um, say this right now um, on the record. I am looking forward to working with my president, President Biden, um, to make sure that his campaign promise of not raising taxes on people who make less than $400,000 is honored and observed and becomes a fact, right? I, will, I um, will help you with that. And and I think that the first victim of that was the gas tax. Yeah. I, I, Pothole I, Pete already came out and said, I think that would be a violation of you know, Biden's pledge. I have a lot of thoughts about President Biden, but um, – but he was clear on the campaign about this, and he's been clear in office about this. And read I, my lips. And I am looking. Well, he, he, no right. new taxes. Well, um, you know that's a guy I worked for, and he was a disappointment. Um, shocker, like like everybody with that last name. But um, I'm looking forward to working with President Biden on this topic. I really am, and 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 helping, helping, um, helping keep voters. Make voters remind voters of his. Well, of his I'm looking promise. forward. I'm looking forward to making sure that the the companies involved that we're talking about here don't make people poorer and themselves richer and America less well off. I'm looking forward to making um, consumers richer, the companies they're on their own. I don't care, and America richer and better off. Um, and that's you know that's in this case means opposing a carbon tax. Can't make it any simpler than that, boys. All right. I want to read something uh, from – let me read it, and then I'll tell you who it was and when. We need to stop – this is a quote. We need to stop the insanity of basing U.S. policy on the inconsistent politics, emotions, and perceptions of the moment. And we in the petroleum industry must avoid <sighs> falling into the same trap by compromising on the issues in the interests of expedience. Instead, we need to take a long-term view and apply a consistent approach using sound science, risk prioritization, and cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, I know exactly who it was. It was it was um, it was the guy who ran Exxon three it was guys. Lee ago. It was Lee Raymond in yeah. a speech at the 1996 annual meeting of the American Petroleum Institute. Sure, man. Um, you know it. It. We're going to see how this goes. But I, I again, Chamber gets on the wrong side of the Republicans on Tandon. API is going to get on the wrong yeah, side well, of the Republicans on carbon taxes because no one is going to vote. No one is going to vote to make people poorer. It, and this is not 
we are not talking about capital gains or something that doesn't affect anybody. We are talking about a tax on all human activity. It's going to be very easy to explain. See that bump up in the gas price? That's thanks to your friends. Oh, I've seen it already on Twitter. I mean, it's it's so simple. We're not allowed to do this at IER uh, because that would be, you know, yeah. That would be a, a that would not be right to do uh, for a whole host of fact factors. But I'm, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but every single American in this country who is just not paying attention sure, to man. these issues, they're gonna get focused on a regular quick. basis. Yeah. Ties the price of gas to what the hell's going on? Sure, it, in Washington and the world, it it's just and it, it's, blade, you know. The president of the United States gets the credit and the blame sure, man. For, for gas prices, sure. period. That's just an – it's like an indicator. It's an NFL quarterback. Right. Whether you, whether you deserve it or not, you get it. So enjoy it when it's good and suffer with it when it's bad. The only question I got, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to having reporters ask this, and, and the only deficiency in, in um, Tim's story was I would have called up Mike Summers and said, what's your number? What 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 number? What do you think is the right number to set it at? Since since you are, since you think it's a good idea, and it's based on a number, you must have a range of numbers that you think is acceptable. What is it? You know, what are you willing to make a gallon of gasoline more expensive by? Well, hopefully it'll. I mean, it's, it, uh, you know what? I'm, it, I'm done with let this. Let me rephrase. That's not necessary for the media because they've got their story. Right, they, oh, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. want. But, they but, don't but, want to like put them on. Eventually, somebody's going to the defensive in that. Eventually, regard, somebody's going right? to get asked, "What's your price? What's your number? How much are you willing to impoverish Americans by?" Um, I am starting to. Um, the the companies, the the the, the Fortune five hundred companies that 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 set some of the terms of the debate, are radicalizing me as I'm getting older. I'm eventually going to be a Bernie Sanders supporter at the rate I'm going, and not not too not too long in the future, not too distant in the future. Okay, um, President Biden on day on on day one or two, I think it was, um, said that the federal government will be purchasing only electric vehicles from now on. Yeah. Tanks. U.S. Postal Battle Service tanks. just uh, announced a bid to, <laughs> to acquire a huge chunk of new vehicles, of which some will be electric. Yeah. How's that going? Yeah. You know, this administration, we've said this in a couple of different contexts, it suffers from a bunch of conflicts, right? Internal conflicts. Um, you can buy all electric vehicles, but you can't buy them inside the government um purchasing guidelines, right? Um, you can buy a bunch of electric vehicles, but you can't buy them if you're going to listen to buy, if you're going to um, follow Buy America guidelines laid out in the president's own executive order. Um, you're going to, you can buy a bunch of electric vehicles, but not um, if you're a little hinky about having supply chains that originate or transit through China. So I, I get it. Every president says great, big, giant aspirational things. Um, but you know, at some point, you think somebody's going to say, "Hey, we need to um, recalibrate this thing and maybe throttle it back a little bit," because it can't do it under purchasing guidelines, can't do it under Buy America, can't do it if we're concerned about China. Um, there's a bunch of reasons why we can't do it, and and you know, the thing that strikes me is this is a crew of mandarins 
right? You know, they're supposed to be skilled tradesmen in working the governance system of the United States. Um, they, they're just a little bit better than, than we were. They're not that great. They're just yeah, a little well, bit better than we were. the executive order says, uh, the, well, I'll read the White House statement about the executive order. It's deeply intertwined with the president's commitment to invest in American manufacturing, including clean energy, and critical supply chains grow good-paying union jobs and advance. Yeah, I forgot about the union job. <laughs> They're going to run into a little bit of a uh, a snag with the solar panels as well uh, on this on this by American executive order. So and the union jobs too, right? Yeah. You know, union guys are okay installing chargers and houses, but solar panels. No jobs for union guys there. You know, because that's going to get done house to house, right? Yeah. So that was day. That was his. That was day two, I believe. Um, so anyway, along with Keystone, which was day forty-three, so it's been forty-three days, and still no, uh, none of the unemployed workers on the Keystone pipeline have a good green job yet. Um, so, but it's also been forty-four days since Biden has had a either a press conference yeah. or made himself available yeah. to a large press pool. And or a joint session of Congress. Yeah, yeah. Well, they 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 were originally teed up, I think, on March seventeenth to do the joint session, but I don't know if that's going to stick as a date, right? Because um, they're starting to move their feet around. And the truth of the matter is, State of the Union, right? It's I mean, it's essentially State of the Union for the new guy. Um, if it's March fourth, and it, if you have a date on seventeenth that you're not set on, you're not going to make it. It's oh, going to yeah. need to bounce back. They're never going to let. They're never going to give the press access to him for forty-five minutes without a, without some kind of um, guide, right? Um, why? Why on earth is that? Because because he just I I don't. That is not where the president shines. Mm. How about if we say it that way? Well said. Well said. He is not. He is not at his best in a free flowing, um, on your feet sort of situation. Well, he's. Well, he's got. Okay. Well, he, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, give it to us. What do you well, got? I mean, it, okay, so then he must be at his best when he's giving scripted speeches, correct? Uh, I think he's getting on a plane. He told me last, he came in to see me last event. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me. Lizzie Pinelli. And uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And, uh, um, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I never, yeah. I, I hadn't actually heard the clip. Yeah. Hey. Lizzie Pinelli. Hey, boy. Uh, it surely, it, it, I'm telling you, uh, I, I don't, I'm sorry, but it's not right that people are just th blowing this under the rug. Oh, it's I, not right. I, well, it's not. It's it was a, kind of funny in the, it's a little know, early. It's a little funny. It's a little early. It's, it's not going to get, it's a little early. It's a little early. It, you know, it, it it he hasn't been president for two months yet, even two months yet. You know, he's not he's not even five percent of the way through the through the um through his presidency. I think as it as it wears on, people are gonna start asking questions. Okay, so we're nearing the halfway point for the first hundred days. April tenth. Would you like to run through some of um I'm gonna you know, a, what is your is your assessment of the Biden I'm gonna presidency? Have a, I'm so gonna have far. a great big giant party on April tenth, I think. I'm not sure where, but um So the stimulus will the, the I think Corona the, uh, extortion bill will have been passed by then? I think I think um 
I think we're approaching, I hate to say this, and I've been thinking about this readiness for a column for like the last week or so, but it's not quite yet. I think we're approaching the high water mark of the Biden administration. Already? Yeah. Wait a minute. I think we are. Wait a minute. Um, Come on. You know, you, you, you think about it. He's, he's going to get. Stay with me here for a second. Right, as I go through the logic chain, yeah. he, he's going to get the stimulus thing done, right? And it's going to yeah, be through reconciliation with right, more Republican votes, right? Well, it's going to be. He might get a Republican vote or two, depending on what kind of deal he makes. But one point eight, one point seven, one point nine, whatever it is, it's a lot of money and a lot of pointless money, right? Um, immigration's dead. Right, immigration reform's dead. But there's no crisis at the border right now, <laughs> and these are not cages, by yeah, the way. Right? Excuse me, they're See, not cages. And that's the thing, right? Do not it, it, mistake our facilities for Trump's facilities it, because they are not Alejandro, cages. Alejandro Mayorkas, the uh, the secretary of DHS, said the most alarming thing last week. You know, he, he said. You know, in a message to all immigrants, Doug, we're asking you not to come now. We're asking you to wait a while until we can, you know, have a process for you that's better. And I'm like, it. Wait a minute. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's like it's a little bit like asking somebody, "Don't rob my house now. Give me a time to like fix it up and clean it up a little bit." Favorite, and then eat lunch before you come here because you're seeking political asylum. It was so weird. Been... It was so weird. So. Yeah, we're definitely headed towards some bad times. But immigration reform is not going to get done, right? The minimum wage is not going to get done, not at 15 bucks, maybe at 11. Um, and I still think that Cotton and Romney have the right answer, right? Tag, you know, staple, yeah, staple. I'm thinking about to that. It. I'm not quite there, but. Uh, you're, you're get there. Keep thinking. You'll get there eventually. Um, climate and infrastructure, right? There's not 60 votes for climate and infrastructure in the Senate, right? So it's going to be a. Uh, That'll be year, it's going to be rolled into the end of the year. Garbage. Yeah, maybe either that or just be a separate reconciliation, right? And they'll do the taxing and spending stuff, but not the policy stuff, except for the most anodyne, right? And it'll look a lot like a highway bill. Um, I could go through the list, but we seem to like he seems to be. I hesitate to say this, he seems to be out of gas. I mean, in the environmental space, what's left really? There's only two things left. Well, we've got the big. We got Earth Day coming up. We've yeah, that's big, that that thing they're doing on the twenty second. We got G seven, I think, and then yeah, at yeah, the end yeah. of the year we got. Or is it not year? When, when is Glasgow? I, I don't. It's, I don't know. End of this year, end of next year, or you something. Got me. Like I, I'm not going, so I don't care. Oh, um, okay. It it. I know you're probably going. Be an internationalist, a globalist <laughs> yourself. The thing is, is this? Um, they're getting out of the gate really slow, and they seem to be losing speed, and. You know, the stimulus thing, I get it, um, but it was a big miscalculation. You know, I always thought Ron Klain was a super smart guy. I'm starting to reassess that thought because if you were a super smart guy, you would have taken the Republicans' number. You know, Republicans want to come in at 1.3 or 4. Take, yeah. Take it and get the other $500 billion, get it in I mean, climate and infrastructure. Claw at it, but you've got – but but they've made they've this got a all thing. The, they got everything they want in it. They got their walk around money. They got their pension bailout for the blue states, which you know, by the way, Phil Kirpin reminded us that some of these states are actually in surplus. California, right? Uh, oh, update on Gavin: one point <sighs> nine million signatures for the recall. That's a big cushion in case any of those signatures oh, are thrown he's, out. He's going to recall. And that's the other thing, right? The Sorry, whole... I didn't mean to take you off no, track no, no, there. No, 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 no. I'm not off track. It's actually kind of on track. Um, 
they didn't come in with a lot of momentum, right? It was a close election. Um, the, the thing on January 6th slowed them down as much as it did um, the president, right, former president. Their two biggest governors are enmeshed in real problems, right? Um, and the, I want to be careful here, the lassitude, look it up, the lassitude of the chief executive um, is, I think, probably infecting the whole operation, right? He's running a nine-to-five presidency. And and with a heavy emphasis on we're going to have studies and reports and meetings and all this other stuff, and that's great, but it has the effect of slowing you down, you know. And, and you even look at the confirmations. Well, I not would, even he's not even half done with his cabinet. <clears throat> I would argue that nine to five is generous, but that's okay. I, 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 you know what? Next week we're going to go through his calendar, and we're going to make fun of his calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Like individual days, we're gonna go through like ten right, days. So, of life so then, what? So, in, he only has about eighteen months, sixteen months now until the midterms. Um, so, are you saying we're we're gonna see this? We're gonna have two big spending bills this year. Yes, and that's it. That's so. the, the yes. legacy of Joe Biden. Yes, I think I, I I hesitate to say that, but and I'm not ready to put it down in writing. But yes, I think that's exactly what I'm saying. We're gonna have this. Spending bill. We're going to have this climate and infrastructure thing, reconciliation or end of the year deal or whatever, and then that's it. All the other legislative stuff, immigration reform, minimum wage, statehood, that's all going to fall away, right? Um, and the closer we get to midterms, the less they're going to be able to muscle guys like Senator Manchin and Senator Cinema on the filibuster, and that means less likely it's going to happen. Just, just period. All right, stop. let's do some predictions. Yes. I'm so excited. Let's do some predictions. Does Chuck Schumer have a primary opponent? And if so, who? Uh, yes. Uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. You think that's done? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm – when it becomes clear to her that they're not going to get anything other than money, yes, I think she's going to – yeah. All right. Um, I like that. That's a great prediction. That really puts me on the spot. You, you already predicted that – Andrew Andrew Cuomo will resign. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we predicted it two weeks ago. I feel no reason to change this thing. When? How long does this drag out? A month. A month. Okay, so A month. mark that down, folks. Governor Newsom, recall. Uh, Can I, the Republicans mount enough <laughs> of a of a formidable candidate to overtake a Democrat in yeah. a deep, deep blue state? So no one said anything about this, but the two guys that are that are circling each other are um, Kevin Falconer, who used to be the mayor of San Diego, and a pretty traditional Republican candidate in California, and Rick Grinnell, right, who's the president for right, President Trump's. President Trump's guy uh, of all trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's it. I was trying to think of like how to describe <laughs> Is it jack of all trades. Senator Grinnell. Um, who would be a different kind of candidate, right? Sure. He's a, he's a, um, he's a white dude who's homosexual, right? Um, you know, open, obviously. And um, but a Trump guy, really very strongly Trump. I don't know how you run in California as a very strong Trump guy and win. But I also don't know how Kevin Falconer wins either. Right. Um, the thing is, there's there's issues that the Republicans can run on. But I don't know if either of these guys can articulate it. Um, well, they can run on freedom. I mean, there's a vein here going on. You mentioned these ballot initiatives yeah, man. where they got thrown back a little bit. You can say, look, you know, if this. This is such a great thing. Why is everyone so miserable? Yeah, right? like, and that's right. That's the the 
the other, you know, add, take, take, yes, take all that, add in schools, right? Um, the biggest problem in California are the government unions, right? You know, they have the same pathologies that the United Kingdom had in the 60s and 70s, right? The government unions run everything. Um, and the school closures, those are those are driving that recall more than anything else, right? Yeah, I I think that's absolutely and, and, right. You know, if you could if you could somehow point out that it's a union problem without being against the unions, I think that's your pathway to victory. Speaking of California, um, the city of Petaluma, yeah, man, Snoopy just announced that they will be banning the future oh. um, future construction of or. Um, all this re oh, uh, gas stations. yeah re uh, sort of re- renovation construction of any new gas stations gasoline stations um i, I it's, I, it's I, if if at first you don't succeed ban it i just i'm shocked i, I, I read this i was funny. shocked it's it, funny. it's funny until somebody else picks it yeah, up because everyone's going to be like oh look at how great these guys are all good and the meanwhile the the Poor Petalumans got to drive like ten miles out to get their gasoline. It's just, it's well. Just, I was going to say somebody on you know, whoever's on the border of Petaluma. The supply and demand issue is is what's going to you know actually come into effect. You know, you so. you and I, you know, you, the day I was born in New York State, right? New York State was the second largest state in the country. Now, the day I die, it's probably going to be the sixth or seventh largest oh, state yeah. in the country, right? Um, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> Californians are like, Governor Newsom called Governor Abbott reckless for basically freeing Texas, right? Well, we can talk about why he did it today as opposed to a year ago <laughs> yeah, or six you know. months ago. Could have something something to do with the blackouts. But nonetheless, he freed the state. The irony is, is that Newsom called him reckless while he's scrambling to open California to, to try to – you know, get a jump start on his recall election. But the thing that's got the thing that's got me nuts on this is people are like acting like they don't have to wear a mask if they live that the no, the the government's forcing them not to wear a mask. Yeah, I man. should say you this is your, like what is wrong with people? You can wear a mask if you want. You can wear two. You can wear six. You don't have to go anywhere. You can do all the things it's... that Biden called you know. Abbott Neand- a Neanderthal just just this morning or yesterday, yesterday. you can still do all those things. Yeah. You don't need the government. The government isn't ripping the mask out of off of your face. But I mean, I, what is what happened to people? I, you know, there's there's always been a strong authoritarian strain in America. It's always been you know, it, it's always been um, masked by our by our individuality and the fact we 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 respect individual freedom. But when you see something like this, you're like, okay, there's just a lot of authoritarians floating around out there who, you know, government tells you what to do, whether wear a mask or don't wear a mask, <laughs> right? <laughs> government like should this. tell me. I should I should call up and ask Gover- Governor Abbott. You don't have to go to the think? restaurant. You don't have it's to crazy. do anything. It's crazy. It's crazy. You don't have to sell gas. Well, unless you're in Petaluma, then you can't sell gas. I'm sorry to disappoint, and we're doing lightning here because we're going to wrap up to go. To yes, lunch. we are. We're going to go to uh, lunch. I'm sorry to disappoint our previous guest, Phil Kirpin, with American Commitment, who was looking so forward to opening day here in Washington D.C. The mayor, in, in her enlightenment, declared that there will be no fans yeah. in the stands for opening day at in our nation's capital. So, yeah, it's science. 
I've lived Follow through, the science. I've lived through some bad mayors in New York and Philadelphia. I think Mayor Bowser may be the worst mayor I've ever seen, and it's, she, it's not just—it's not just the pandemic. She's just trying to protect us. It's not just the pandemic. It's the streets aren't safe anymore. Trash is piling up. The rats are getting bigger than foxes, for God's sake. She's just the city's the city's in real us. trouble. Don't don't be that way. Would you stop being that way? Sorry, I apologize to all my mayor my Mayor Bowser fans out there. <laughs> you know who you are. All right. Anything you got? Anything for us here? Oh, I think that's it. I'm just. Are you tapped? You can't be tapped. Oh, What's I, the, what I, do we got on on a time for this one? We must be running pretty short. No, we're almost an hour. Producer, so. where are we? Close to an hour. Fifty six. All right. Well, we could probably wrap it up between I, the I mean, edits and everything else. I, I could. I could talk. I could talk about the 2024 campaign and the thin skinness of one candidate. <laughs> the fact that you've been. But recruited. I don't want to do. I don't no, want to do let's that. Hold off on that for now. <laughs> I don't understand why anyone is. Oh, by the way, another shout out to, uh, I think, C, well, CPAC helped because they were showcased. But uh, talking about the contrast in in governors, yeah, Governor once again, Governor DeSantis on the offense, sure, Governor Nome, yeah, on it, the offense, it, it, right, Governor of Mississippi just said we are wide open people, come on up, Tate come on Reeves. in, Tate Reeves, so, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's interesting. It's just an interesting, like the, these blue, you know, these, uh, they're just so high and mighty and so it's full of themselves. And, you know, so they look at the red, red governors and red states with this disdain and this like disgust. I, I thought it was kind of odd that Newsom felt compulsive urge to say something about Governor Abbott. I'm like, I, I I'm like, dude, he'd zip it. I'm like, I dude, really coach your own team. Yeah. Um, it, it showed one thing, right? This whole thing has showed one thing or suggested one thing to me, right? 2024 uh, primaries on both sides, on both fun. sides. It's going to be fun. On both sides are going to be partially about the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And response there too. Well, we... And we're going to have a primary on both sides. We're going to have a Democratic primary and a Republican primary. Make no mistake. We're going to... Um, this last election was about the pandemic. This one will be also... Uh, I to think some so. Extent. I in think the midterms so. too. Just oh, the midterms definitely. are definitely about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Midterms are also going to be about federal spending um, and the craziness of the craziness. Look, the thing about the stimulus, it, there's a bunch of stuff in there that 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 we're not going to know about, and we're going to find out over the next six months. A column I wrote that ran today was um, a healthcare thing. Right, it's thirty six billion dollars, thirty four billion dollars oh, yeah. in tax credits to expand Obamacare. It removes income limits, and the way it sets it up is the richer you are and the more expensive your plan is, the more money you get. It's crazy. Every single House Democrat voted for well, all but two voted for the damn thing. If I'm running against Abigail Spanberger in the Virginia 7, which I might, I'm going to just – I'm going to – You heard it first here, ladies and gentlemen. Mike McKenna is – is forming an exploratory committee to run for the House of Representatives. If you want on the exploratory committee, just call me. <laughs> I, the first question I, I mean, the first question I have is, how could you vote to give rich people more money than the uninsured? The, the bill does nothing for the uninsured, but it does make rich people richer. I'm like, that's legit insane. And that is $34 billion in a $2 trillion bill. So multiply that oh, bad, man. multiply that bad boy by sixty, and you get some sense of what we're talking about. We should get someone in here to dissect all the goodies in here. I mean, there's tons of walk around money for 
Democrat constituencies and interest groups. It it, it there's just a bunch of ticking time yeah. bombs for 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 it's for, it's like this pen up like okay let's let's just throw it all in. So. And that's why I think back to our final back to our original and final point here. High watermark. We're closing. Mm. We're closing in on it. The day he signs this, high well, I will. I hope so for the sake of the country because you know there could be a they could do a lot of damage if they. Uh, Oh, if they were, if they were operating at a little faster pace, well, one thing is for certain, though. I will say this: um, thankfully, the Biden administration is now fully reengaging with the rest of the world, <laughs> because we could not possibly have done any worse under the previous administration. We could not have possibly had any less progress in in the Middle East. Than in the previous administration, we could not have possibly done a, a better job getting the NATO alliance back in order. We could not have possibly done a better job uh, than than this current administration will do. You have a clip for us. I do you? have a, a closing <laughs> clip for us, and uh, with that, I will uh, play it, and then we will tail off, and and we will enjoy lunch at a restaurant. In Washington, D.C., and I will wear a mask until I'm eating my food because I can choose to do that. We're going to circle back um, next week. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. America is back. America is back. Diplomacy is back. I'm at O'Keefe in Washington. Tonight, U.S. officials confirm airstrikes on multiple sites in Syria linked to Iranian-backed militias. The Pentagon says the strike was carried out in response to recent rocket attacks on locations in Iraq, where U.S. troops and personnel are located. Diplomacy is back. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the Biden administration. Back to bombing. It's going to be a long four years. Back to bombing. And still no press conference. Still not answering the media as to as to why why this was necessary. But we're back though. If you're Taiwan, get yourself ready. Peace out, everybody. See you, man.